Thank you for listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This episode is a sermon preached by Marvin Lindsay based on Genesis chapter 18 and 21. It's the story of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child in their old age and the making good on that promise in the birth of Isaac. It's also a story about how when we show hospitality to strangers, we are surprised by joy. We hope that you'll enjoy it. It was the middle of a hot summer day, kind of day where you can work sweat by just sitting in the shade, when three men appeared on the shimmering horizon. These poor fools, out on the road in the middle of the day in a desert. They'll die of sunstroke if they don't find some shade and find something to drink. Those poor fools. You know, if our hearts aren't in the right place, then when we see people in need, that often causes us to feel one of two things, either pity or contempt. When we take pity on people who are in distress, then we condescend to help them. When we scorn the needy, we wag our fingers at them for the situation that they find themselves in. But either way, an encounter with people who need some help uh, tends to confirm our best opinions of ourselves. We are... (laughs) We are superior to them. We have the financial resources, or we have the good habits, or we have the good common sense that they don't. That's why they're in need, and we're not. But Abraham is different. We find Abraham with his heart in the right place in this morning's scripture lesson. These three strangers are in need of rest and refreshment, but they are a mirror back to Abraham of his own need. His need to show hospitality to strangers. His need to do something with the blessings that God has blessed him with, other than hoard them for himself. So grateful for the opportunity, Abraham rushes to greet the travelers, and he begs them for the honor of serving him, or serving them. Are they the lucky ones to find someone to give them rest on their tiresome journey? No, Abraham is the lucky one, and hopefully I'll be lucky by it. (laughs) This might be turned on right now. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to use this instead. Abraham is the lucky one because these three strangers are going to give him the opportunity to serve them. The scriptures say that we're created in God's image. And the scriptures also say that God is love. That means that we are created to love. Now, here's the strange thing about love. The more you give away love, the more there is love to go around. It's this kind of strange pie love is. The more you slice it and share it with other people, the more the pie grows. It's not diminished. It's expanded. Our creator, whose nature is love, has implanted in us a need to share and to serve and to show hospitality to strangers. And that need to love and share and serve, however, has been distorted by sin. It's been turned in on itself. Our sinful nature wants to hold tight to our time and our money and our resources and to draw our circle of friends as close as we possibly can. But Abraham, bowing low before these strangers and begging them for the opportunity to serve them, is opening up his God-given nature to the divine light, like petals that open before the rays of the sun. When we are true to who God created us to be, then we are moved beyond scorn and beyond pity 
and our hearts are open to the world around us. Now, in this story, Abraham comes off as a rather spry old man, doesn't he? Uh, He runs out to greet the travelers, then he races off to confer with his wife and with the servants about how to prepare a meal. He directs the calf to be slaughtered, he directs the grill to be fired up, and then he hovers over his guests at the table like a nervous waiter. Abraham is also a very modest individual. He poo-poos his frantic efforts to be a gracious host. Forgive me, my friends. All I've got in my kitchen is just just some stale bread and, and warm water. But in fact, he prepares a meal fit for a king. Veal cutlets, mouth-watering rolls, a tall glass of whole milk. He is, truth be told, hosting a king, but he doesn't know that We know it because the storyteller has let us in on the secret identity of these three travelers. And we know it from elsewhere in the scriptures. The book of Hebrews says, Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for in doing that, you may be entertaining angels without knowing it. And Jesus, in Matthew 25, says that at the end of time, that he will say to the sheep who are members of his fold, Come and enter into the joy that is prepared for you, because I was a stranger and you welcomed me. At bottom, our deep need to love is really a deep need for God. And God supplies us with that need by meeting us in the form of a stranger, in meeting us in the form of a new person in our life, in meeting us in the form of someone who is in need of assistance. So don't be surprised, friends, after you serve in Christ's name through ministries in this church or in other congregations or in the community, whether it is preparing meals for our homeless neighbors through Joseph's house, or whether it's packing meals for our ministry at St. Wilfred's, or whether it is visiting women in the Camden County Jail and being a, a word, offering a word of support and encouragement and a listening ear to them, and yes, going to Tennessee or going to West Virginia or going to Kentucky and building homes. Don't be surprised if after these experiences, it's not you who have received more, because you have received an encounter with the living Christ himself in opening your life to those around you. Where's your wife, Sarah? The strangers asked. Now, this is, good. this is an interesting question. How do these strangers know that Abraham's wife's name is Sarah? It's like something kind of lurches in the story at this point. It's like the air is shimmering now, but it's shimmering with more than just the noonday heat. She's over there in the tent, Abraham replies in growing awareness that there's more to these strangers than meets the eye. And then one of them says, well, I'm going to be around here this time next year. And your wife, Sarah, will have given birth to a son. There it is. The promise that we heard the Lord make to Abraham and Sarah in last week's scripture lesson, uh, that they, in their old age, would be given a child, now that promise has been reiterated. Now we know who is dining at Abraham's dinner table, chasing veal cutlets with a tall glass of whole milk. But if Abraham is bug-eyed at the revelation of these strangers' identity, his wife is feeling something different. Not astonishment, I think anger, and I think sadness 
that bubbles up in a sarcastic laugh. You see, Sarah has heard this all before. Fifteen years ago, for us it was a week, but uh, in the story in Genesis it's fifteen years. Fifteen years ago, God, Abraham came to his wife and said, God talked to me. The Lord said we have to move away from home. The Lord said we have to move to a new land because we're going to be given this land and we're going to have a baby and that baby's going to have children and they're going to inherit this land. It's going to be a promise. God is making a promise to us that they will have this in perpetuity. So they left. They left their hometown. They left their friends. They left their family. And they lived uh, as foreigners in a strange land. And every once in a while, Abraham would come to Sarah and would say, God spoke to me again. I had a dream. I saw a vision. I heard a voice. We're going to have a child. We're going to have someone to inherit our stuff. We're going to have many descendants. Well, it's been 15 years. Where is the baby? Where is the child? Can you imagine how hard it must be to be married to someone who's talking to God all the time? So Sarah laughs to keep from crying. She followed her husband, and she followed his God to this foreign land, but it hasn't worked out the way that it was promised. The narrator says it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband has grown old, shall I have pleasure? Now, just an aside, uh, biblical scholars are divided over whether the pleasure to which Sarah refers is the pleasure of having a baby or making a baby. Uh, I'll leave that up to you to ponder in the week to come. But either way, Sarah laughs. Not only because she's heard it all before, but because this God of her husband's promises too much. Even the ancients knew something about human biology, and they knew that the passing of time imposes limits on what our bodies are capable of. Can God transgress those limits? Sarah's willing to show her husband's God some reverence and respect because she quits laughing at the mention of his name. The name of the Lord is no laughing matter. But Sarah has given up hope that this God will intervene in their lives as promised. Wherever Abraham pitches his tent next, she will go with him. But she's long since stopped walking by faith. Sarah has reverence for God, but no faith or hope that this God will keep a promise and make a better future for her. Now, seeming to read her mind, one of the guests asks, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a good question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? If there are some things that are too hard for the Lord to do, then that means settling for a life that is stable and predictable, but ultimately hopeless. Because in the end, we are all going to die. And eventually, no one will be on this planet who remembers our names. And in the long, long run, the universe is going to burn itself out. Even the Elon Musk of future eons will have no planets that they can escape to. That's the long-term hope that we have in this world. But if with God all things are possible, 
than in our run-ins with the stranger and with our frantic efforts to show hospitality, we may just well hear a promise that may defy our notions of what is possible and reasonable, but we may hear a promise that is so full and pregnant with hope that in the words of one hymn, it demands our souls, our lives, our all. See, biblical faith is not merely the acknowledgement that God exists or the belief that uh, there is a creator over us. Biblical faith is a leap into the great unknown that is filled with hope. A leap out of the deep pessimism of the present moment into a hope that God can give life to the dead and can call into existence things that do not exist. But living by biblical faith requires extraordinary patience because the Lord our God can be rather leisurely about keeping the promises God makes. And sometimes, like Sarah, we run out of patience. And the result is that we put our hopes and our dreams back on the shelf. And walking by faith turns into putting one foot in front of the other until the clock runs out. Also need to say, it's not the case that if we have enough faith, we can have anything we want. We can't have anything we want by faith. But by faith, we can have everything that God has promised us. And what has God promised us? God doesn't always promise us wealth, or health, or an easy life, or a long life, or an heir to, be, to entrust our property with. But God has promised us to raise the dead and to remake this world into a place where justice and peace are at home. And God has given us a down payment on that by raising Jesus Christ from the dead, a son of Abraham and Sarah. I didn't laugh, Sarah protested. Oh, yes, you did laugh, replied one of the guests. And that's all that the guest says. Notice, God doesn't judge or condemn Sarah for her laughter, for her skepticism at the promise. God simply names it. Because when it comes to our disbelief and our lack of faith, God knows that the joke is on us. And soon enough, Sarah would know it too. You know what they named that boy that was born to Sarah in nine months' time? They named the child Isaac. And you know what Isaac means in Hebrew? It means he laughs. He laughs. The year before, the thought of Sarah's husband pushing a stroller instead of a walker was laughable. So was the thought of Sarah nursing a child. But now Sarah looks into that baby's eyes, and she laughs with joy, and that baby just giggles right back at her. And not just the baby, but the rocks, the trees, the skies, and the seas, everything is smiling with delight. Because not only has God blessed this family, with a future that they could not have created on their own. Through this family, God will bless the whole creation with a future that we could not have come up with on our own. Sarah laughs with joy. And she's also laughing at herself. Who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought I'd be a mom? Not me. I'd given up hope a long time ago. Just about time that God intervened. Guess the joke's on me.
In the end, our stories are comedies, not tragedies. Because nothing is too hard for the Lord. And sometimes, God lets us in on the joke when we let strangers into our lives. In the name of the one who is and who was and who is to come. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.